You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. I'm uh, not one for fads, especially when it comes to apps and stuff like that. You know, I still I have TikTok downloaded, but I refuse to use it because I feel like it's going to just suck whatever life force I have left. Very little left in my body from the past two years and just whatever. (laughs) Uh, If I was a blind person, an app like See Me Now seems like a good idea especially if you're alone i don't know it just it feels like something i wouldn't build an entire movie premise off of like an (laughs) app but then again there's a movie about facebook that did really well so who am i to judge are you saying that see for me is about is on the same level as the social network wow what a review put that on the poster folks absolutely (laughs) Uh, did you just say app absolutely Mm, I'm here for it, folks. <laughs> My name is Chad Helverson, and with me is TC DeWitt. It's true. I'll pun it up all day. I didn't plan for that. That literally came off the top of my head, and I'm pretty proud of it. Luane. <laughs> hey, how's it and going? And Trevor. Hey, everybody. And I am joined in studio today by my uh, two-month-old son, who may be making some noise on this track. I will try and Aww. clean that up as best I can for Chad, but no, leave it. It's cool. Ch- child care uh, <laughs> fell through today. Uh, I've been there. Yeah. So see for me premise. There's this, uh, I don't know. I think she's 18, maybe 19, 19 year old girl. Prodigy pro skier goes blind. It's not like an accident or anything. She's just blind from a medical condition and she's making money on the side now by cat sitting for people. House sitting, cat sitting, something like that. House, yeah, like, you know, whatever she can do. It's very clear in the beginning. She wants to be independent. She hates being helped because it makes her seem weak. Her character's name is Sophie, and she's cat sitting for a super rich woman who just divorced her husband. She's going to go to Europe and probably blow and bang and suck her way through Europe <laughs> now that she's divorced. Uh, but now Sophie's here to, like, watch this super huge house. In the middle of the night, it gets broken into and a bunch of dudes show up to break into a safe because there's a safe. I mean, when you have a house that looks like this with like, seems like 30 different floors and a terrarium, that's not a terrarium, a greenhouse. Solarium. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's it's a move. It's a move. It's a rich people movie house. I mean, it really is. And the whole first third of it is just setting up like, okay, just so we're all aware what the house looks like. And where all the nooks and crannies are, because later on, you're going to need to know all this, which I, I feel like it does pretty well, especially there's a, a scene later on that's really tense in the third act where she loses cell reception and she's getting help from the other person that's on this app. And I'm like, all right, that was cool. At least they paid attention to that thing. That all being said, I feel like all the characters 
needed to stick to their convictions and not flip flop so much. A little bit. There's no that you missed, which is the you, you touched on it, but just to elaborate real quick, is that she downloads this app that has someone see for her as a blind person, a visually impaired person. She can call up this app and say, hey, can you tell me what the expiration date is on this milk? Oh, yeah, it's uh, November 5th. Don't drink it. <laughs> All right. Thank you. And she gets in touch with a former military gamer girl who helps her see and then helps become her eyes during the home invasion. Those are your two main characters is you got Sophie and then you have Kelly played by Jessica Parker Kennedy. But they did a good job mapping out the entire house at the beginning when the blind girl shows up and basically does a home tour and even hits the spot in the hallway where the cell reception is bad so they can pay yep. that off later. Yep. I feel like that third act goes really quick through the characters. One of them, specifically the guy, uh, Dave, who was there to actually break the safe. The drill man. I felt like his character was fine until the very end. And then he made a decision along with Kelly's persistent nagging to shoot everybody that's in the house. Pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. (laughs) Pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. I don't care if he's surrendering. Kill him. Well, and, you know, we start off with her, uh, Kelly, being a, a gamer girl, and she is specifically playing first person shooters. Battlefield five, I'll point out. Yeah, there is an overlap there that, you know, makes you feel like a clever viewer to note. Oh, when she's holding up the gun in front of the camera and being the eyes for this girl, it looks like a first person shooter. And I'll say, like, I liked this. Like, I am such a sucker for for this pitch. Like there there are two movies that will instantly get my butt in the theater and it's wait until dark. And then uh, Rear Window. And this had little aspects of both. So this was right in my lane. This takes an interesting turn in the second act that I don't necessarily want to spoil, but it's there. And I thought that was interesting. And I thought this kept this kind of wait until dark, hush. uh, What are some of the other ones? Don't breathe. Julia's eyes that have come out that kind of set it apart from that. But then I think we lost that thread a little bit in the third act. It kind of goes back to, uh, you know, the the standard tropey wait until dark setup. And but at the same time, that's something I really enjoy. So I was fine with it. But I really wish they would have expanded a little bit more on the uh, the ideas that they set forth in that second act. Yeah, I agree. There was a moment where the movie goes a different direction than expected. Up to a certain point, you kind of feel like you know where this is going to go. And then it ultimately comes back onto the well-trodden path where you know where it's going to go. But Trevor, you're right. There is some choices made about halfway through the movie that are unexpected. And, oh, I like I like what the potential is here. Let's see where they go with this. Yeah, there's, I'll call the negotiation scene. I think that's actually really good. The problem I ran into with this is that inevitably, because it's a team of guys, there is the one hothead who will fuck everything up. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He was added to the team last minute. Yeah, no kidding. They do that with this one. And that sort of bugs me because why would you have this guy? Like he has one function and you absolutely do not need that function this time. You basically just need two of the three guys. And that third guy, aside from being a problem, just in general, creates a bigger problem because that negotiation scene kind of handles this movie pretty well. 
And I and I really think without that added element, this would have worked. Also, if the cop would do what most cops would do, which is not have communication with dispatch right in front of where they are. I will admit there are some decisions made in this that I think are plot driven and not story driven because which goes to what Chad's point was about characters not sticking to their convictions. Right, Chad? Yeah. I will say third act is like you said it, you know, we think it's going to go one way and then it kind of comes back to what you expected. Visually. I thought the way they did that third act was cool when she uh, flips the breakers off. It's not like a new technique or anything, but it, it, it added a nice, suspenseful element to it, especially by that point, because her her phone was dead by that point. She didn't have Kelly to help see for her anymore. Well, and I did notice that and I don't know if this was intentional. I don't know if I'm reading too much into this. Maybe sometimes a cigar is a cigar. But the woman she is working for is a recognizable Canadian actress. That's Laura Vandervoort, who I mean, I most know her from uh, Smallville. She was Supergirl. Supergirl. on that. (laughs) And so... It was interesting to me that they never showed her in close up. But then it also I noticed that they didn't show many people in close up that any of the people that she was interacting with that she didn't know intimately or have some kind of ongoing relationship with seemed to all be treated either in the shadows or at a distance where we really can't get a good look at them either. I thought that was interesting. It kept it fresh and kind of fun. And that's one of the things I look forward to in these movies is to see there's usually a creative little gimmick that they throw in to to illustrate the blindness or the action that's going on in the dark. I feel like there was no payoff with the the collar that she put on the cat. The it, it goes back to that thing with the radio later identifying where somebody is by clicking sound so that when she clicks a walkie talkie, the other guy's walkie talkie responds waiting for them. Oh, so she's like, Oh, that's a good payoff. Yeah. She's using the same technique to find guys as she is when she has to go find the cat at one point. One of the things that I found interesting, but I wish they did had gotten, unless I missed some of the details had gotten into was a little bit more of Kelly's backstory because there was an implication of some some maybe a dishonorable discharge right some there was there's something in her background that makes her more amenable to what's going on in this maybe she got in trouble for telling everybody to shoot her superiors just randomly <laughs> pull the trigger now it's lunchtime now one, one of the things though and we know this isn't the case because we see her walk down a flight of stairs with a pizza in her hand But I think one of the things that would have been interesting is if they don't reveal until the end, the reason she's sitting where she is is because she's in a wheelchair or is in some other way disabled as well. And that never comes up until that point, like a reveal at the end. A nice John Locke reveal, if you think season one of Lost kind of thing where, oh, oh, in a wheelchair the whole time. But like there's more room for character interaction in that way, particularly if Sophie's unaware of it, which she would have been, because there are points where it's like she's losing her patience with Kelly because she's treating her. She thinks she's treating her like a child and giving her orders. I'm like, you literally called her to tell you what you need to do. I don't know. It was just an element that as a writer, I'm like, that's a thing I might have wanted to throw in. There are a few weak spots in the writing that I think are there because they're, like I said, plot driven versus the story. I also think this is very clearly a COVID movie. 
for how sure. small the cast is, for how there's only one scene with three people in the scene. Every scene was just two people. And there tends to be physical distance between everybody in the movie. Even when they have the group shots of the three guys, there's the guy at the at safe, there's the guy watching things, and then there's the guy telling him what to do, and they're across the room from each other. It seems like a movie that you could knock out on some weekends. I mean, it's it's basically that one location, but it's got a concept, and it's interesting, and I'm not going to lie. I'm always interested in seeing characters with disabilities who have to work around that as, as an element of the story. Your mileage may vary on that, depending on how realistic you think her abilities are within the movie the home invasion plot it's got its cliches it's got its tropes but it is fun to see spins on it here and there as far as her being blind and that gimmick i was into that but plot wise because it's so standard most of the time i couldn't help but think of until death the megan fox movie that came out just six seven months ago which has a very very similar setting very similar motives for the villains kind of thing. Right. It's not identical, but enough so that I kept thinking of that movie and what that movie thrived at versus this movie and where the shortcomings came from. In particular, I think Sophie, our lead actress here. Who is actually visually impaired, by the way. Really? Okay. That changes everything. Yeah, she is actually, she's a voice actress. Some people will probably know her. She's done a lot of anime work. Well, that completely changes my opinion because I was about to comment on thinking her acting wasn't the strongest. But now you knowing know, that TC, she's actually I was with you. I was, I was waiting to be a hipster. I had my arms crossed across my chest going, well, let's see how well this sighted girl plays blind. Right. I'm not buying it. And then I look, oh, no, she, she's blind. She knows what she's doing. I'm. It's right. me who doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Real quick, apparently they're nine binary, just to let you know. That does change my opinion because I didn't particularly think their performance was the strongest because I didn't think Sophia was very likable. I didn't root for her at first because she was so stubborn about being helped that it verged into snotty and bratty. And I thought, ah, in the hands of a stronger actress, she could have been likably unlikable, having that little bit of edge to it, a little bit of you know, I'm okay with you being an asshole because it's charming. TC, guess where they're from? Who? Wh- where, where they were born? Wisconsin? Madison. Hey, yep. Wisconsin zone. Well, they are just getting more and more bonuses on this, being actually blind, being Midwestern. I can All hear right. the ratings going up already. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to be under a five, but I don't know anymore. Mm. <laughs> Gotta have that home state pride here. Well, should we wrap it up then with some final thoughts? This is a perfectly acceptable home invasion thriller. There are some small unexpected twists, but for the most part, you know where this is going to go the minute you sit down and watch it. It's not overly violent. It's not overly scary. It's fine. And I've been joked at and criticized jokingly and lovingly before that when I say things are fine, what I really mean is they're bad and I just don't want to be mean about it. But no, this is shot really well. There's some really cool camera work in this, some great wides of the whole house where you see Sophie on one side of the screen in one part of the house and then the villain searching the other side of the house all in one shot. And it helps build some good tension. So it's good in that regard. The score is well done. It's a good little indie flick, and it held my attention. 
the only reason I'd really recommend this as worth watching is for other indie filmmakers who want to get a good example of how a low-budget thriller doesn't have to look like crap. Decent performances from Skylar Davenport, who obviously I like even more now, knowing that she's visually impaired, and even more now because I know she's from Wisconsin. But Jessica Parker Kennedy, who I have a crush on from The Flash, I was just happy to see her pop up in this. But this is a come and go average as it gets home invasion thriller. If that's for you, you're going to like it. If it's not, don't worry about it. I'm going to give this five out of 10 tips on breaking into sliding glass doors. Luane. This is, to use TC's word, fine. This is, this is a home movie movie. I don't know that I would need to see this on the big screen, but it's an interesting movie to watch. It's a good introduction, I think, to suspense. If you're not going to do a classic like some of the ones that were mentioned earlier, it has some really great suspenseful scenes. There's a, you know, the whole cat and mouse through it. It looks good. It sounds good. The cast is, I think, solid. And like I said, I'm always interested in seeing characters and in this case, actors, apparently, um, with disabilities or, or different abilities that that actually are relevant to what's going on. So I would say this is three and a half guys on the squad who don't listen to their commander. <laughs> well, that goes for the bad guys and the good guys. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. Also Kim Coates is in it as the lead bad guy. And that was great to see. I love him as a villain, you know, and the reveal on him was really good too. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, 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 did the entire climax of this movie with a mouthful of scenery and I couldn't be happier with it. <laughs> yes, you are right. What I will say without just rehashing what I've already put, put out there um, on the, would I recommend this to my dad scale? This rates very highly. This is a movie he can follow. It doesn't have a ton of sex. It doesn't have a ton of language. I think this is something that is, is definitely dad agreeable. I think it's a perfectly serviceable movie. I think it's a, it was a fun way to spend an evening. I wasn't mad or nothing. I would have actually loved to have seen this at a festival with a festival audience. I think that would have been a lot of fun, yeah. but you know, at the end of the day, it didn't nail my hair to the wall, but at the same time, I, I had a really good, time this is a genre i enjoy i do admit that there's there's a point where our protagonist is not nearly as likable but also the the one uh, example of this genre that i didn't care for was don't breathe and compared to that movie this girl is fine everybody is unlikable and don't breathe i have to admit i'm coming in here with a lot of bias and a lot of uh, baggage this is a genre i enjoy i it compares well to a lot of the movies that i've listed and it fits right in there among them so i'm really happy with it i'm gonna give this a seven out of ten games of cat and mouse where the literal cat is the metaphorical mouse <laughs> so deep I, I still think my biggest drawback was pick a lane for some of these characters, especially your lead. Like, I, I like the twist in the second act, but then it, it, twist, 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 twist. That all being said, like Trevor said, you know, it fulfills a itch that needed to be scratched. Let's see. Five and a half out of ten poorly named apps for a decently rated movie. Let's be honest, this app would be C, the letter, four, mm -hmm. and then me, if this was oh, an no, actual see, app. If the movie had been called C for me, oh, that 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 would have changed everything. She's chucking, like, 
bombs of plastic at guys in the end. She's like, you don't know who you're messing with. See for me. Blah. We've got an explosive new app for you. <laughs>